encountering the texture of the text of God's Word, text and context. Thank you, Susie. Uh, I asked her to read all of 1 Corinthians 13, and then I asked her just a moment ago, I was like, you know you're up like first, right? She's like, oh, okay. She's like, let me go practice, and she's looking through it, but that was wonderful, beautiful. Uh, Man, Eugene Peterson has a way with words. Um, My goal is to preach the way Eugene Peterson has written the message. So, no judgments, nobody say anything, sorry, it's a dream of my heart, nobody say anything. You know, every single author of the New Testament talks about love. Every single book in the New Testament talks about love. You could say that our entire faith, the gospel in a word, is love. This is what it's all about. And if you've ever tried to read that one book of the Bible, 1 John, you ever tried to read the book 1 John, that little letter in the New Testament, only about five chapters? It's kind of hard to read, not because it's like really difficult to understand, but because The dude just won't stop repeating himself. Little children love one another. Little children love one another. And a few other things. Oh, and little children love one another. And did I mention God is love and little children love one another? One author has said that the Apostle John, when he wrote 1 John, had a magnificent monotony. I like that. That is, he just kept on and he wouldn't stop and he kept saying the same old thing. There's actually an old church legend about John that while he was exiled on the island of Patmos that he would participate in the house church that met there. And he was so old and decrepit, he couldn't see, he could hardly talk, he was, could, couldn't stand on his own. But the people would, when it came time for the sermon, they wanted the apostle John to preach, of course, and so they'd help, help him get up. And he had to like prop himself in the doorway, kind of like holding this staff, according to the legend. And he would just over and over again say, little children, love one another. Little children, Love one another. And the people would just sit there and listen to him as long as he wanted to do it. Because I imagine that them, just like us, need to hear it as many times as John is willing to say it. Little children, love one another. This week and next week, they go together. We're going to be meditating on Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. And I really, really like the way the message says it. I'm going to read it again whenever it comes time for the sermon. But I just wanted to go ahead and put it out there so it can be percolating. So it starts simmering in your soul a little bit, especially before we start singing in earnest. This is from Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 in the message. Watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Let's worship. Good morning again. I'm going to attempt to use this. Am I on? Yay. Okay. Earlier it didn't sound like it was getting me. Uh, There is one text that was the first text I ever preached for the first actual sermon that I ever preached. It's the same text that I preached from on my last Sunday at this little bitty church of about, I don't know, 10 people on a really great Sunday that I preached for while I was in college. Last sermon I ever preached there was this text. It was the first sermon I preached whenever I lived in South Carolina and preached there. 
And it hasn't been the first or last here, but it's one that I'm preaching today. Somewhere in the middle. This is Ephesians 5. Uh, it's not the last. I'm not planning on it. Lord willing. Not planning. Lord willing. Lord willing. Unless some tragedy were to occur. This is Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 in the message. And it has really meant a lot to me. Go ahead to the, the next slide. Oh, I didn't put it up there. <laughs> That's why. Yeah, Vince was giving me a look like, okay, I'll go to the next slide. Here's what it says. Watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. I love this verse. He did not come cautiously, but he loved extravagantly. Love like that. The goal is to love like that. To love people the same way that God loved people. But there is a catch. You don't just hop forward and love people the way that God loved them. Because you're standing there in the middle You have to be loved by God first. You caught that, right? Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. It's something that's learned. It's not something that's natural by any stretch of the imagination. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Not cautious, but extravagant. That's the love we're going for. You know, uh, we just finished the Pilgrim Playlist series where we uh, worked our way through the Psalms of Ascents in the book of Psalms. And the last one on there was Psalm 134. And we preached and we were speaking about how we are to live from God's blessing, not for God's blessing. That God's blessing is always over us. We're the ones that choose to walk in the opposite direction, but his blessing is always spoken over us. And we live from that place. We don't live for it. We don't try to impress him so that he might possibly, if he's in a good mood today, bestow it upon us. We live from that place of declaration. The same thing that was declared over the Lord Jesus is declared over us. You are my beloved child, my beloved son, my beloved daughter. I'm very happy with you. And it's from that place that we move forward. You know, Jesus didn't start his ministry until that was spoken over him. In the same way, we don't start much of anything until that is spoken over us. We don't really start our faith life until that is over us. This is the key, that we don't live from God's blessing, but for God's blessing. And in the same way that we live from God's love, because his love is always on extension for us. You can't get God right if you get love wrong. Think about that. You can't get God right if you get love wrong, because God is love. And so love is the key, and his love is always on invitation to us. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I grew up with the image of a really angry God. Has a clipboard, always the clipboard. Maybe that grandpa figure, long father time kind of beard thing, you know what I'm talking about? And he's just waiting for me to fail. He's just looking for something. He would like to give me love, but he's really kind of mostly in a bad mood. And he's just waiting for me to fail. My friends, this is not the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is something that Satan has lied to us about, and it is not the God of Scripture. This is not the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is love. Mostly what God does is love you. Do you believe that? That that's the number one thing he does? Because I don't know about you, but I tend to think the number one thing he does is stand there with the clipboard. But it's not. 
The number one thing God does isn't give arbitrary commands to make your life more miserable. The number one thing God does isn't anything except love you. That's the number one thing he does. Mostly what he does is love you. I don't know about you. I can get with a God like that. I was reading in 1 Timothy lately. I've been kind of meditating on 1 Timothy, a young pastor, letter to a young pastor. Makes sense to me. And in the chapter of 1 Timothy, Paul has this little phrase, the glorious gospel of the blessed God. And you know, blessed could be translated happy. I don't know about you. I am so sick of the angry God. I really need the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the happy God. I need the glorious good news of the happy God. That's what I need. And in fact, that's what we have. That is what we have. To be really honest, really vulnerable with you, I've been going through this new season in my life, a really new season, where it's really frustrating. You're going to think this sounds beautiful, but then I'll tell you why it's not and why it's frustrating. It is beautiful, but it's mostly frustrating. Lately, I find myself attempting to pray, and I throw up the typical things you tend to say when you pray. Uh, help me with X and help me to be better at Y and uh, be with the poor, sick, and those in the hospital in Jesus' name, amen. But I can hardly get much out before I just, I just feel in my spirit this overwhelming sense. I love you. I love you. I love you. Over and over, like waves of the ocean. And it's frustrating. God, please help me to, I love you. I love you. I love you. And if I could just be a little bit better at, I love you. I love you. I love you. The only exception to this, lately, is whenever God takes it up one more notch, just to be God. And he goes on this little kind of rant that I hear inside, which is something to the effect of, well, if you pass your class, I love you. And if you fail your class, I love you. If you're really happy today, I love you. And if you're in a really bad mood today, I love you. And it just kind of goes on these, these, if you're this, I love you. And if you're not, I love you. If you do the things that you know, like you're supposed to do, I love you. And then if you don't, I still love you. It's frustrating. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay. But it's frustrating. And I know you know it's frustrating too, because he's saying the same thing over you. And here we are. God says, I love you. I love you. I love you. And we say, no, you don't. Don't you know what I am? Don't you know where I've been? Don't you know what I've done? Don't you? I love you. I love you. And he interrupts us because we can argue with God about it until we are blue in the face. We can, we can argue with him until we are just absolutely exhausted. Or, or we can surrender to it and let it change us forever. I don't know about you. I'd really rather do the latter. But why is it so hard to do that? Am I the only one that feels this way? I feel this way. I feel like I get my stuff straight, then I go to God, and then he'll say, I love you. My friends, I think we got it backwards. He says, I love you, and because of that, it empowers me to be everything he calls me to be. And I lean in and surrender to that love that is spoken over me. You know this song, uh, Reckless Love? It played this morning at the very beginning. Okay, look, I'm a theology student. I got to be honest with you. There's parts of that song that I have wrestled with for a long time because I'm like, reckless? Is God really reckless? I don't know. It's just like there's part of me that's like, well, shouldn't I question this some? 
And there, I went through this season where I was like really intellectually superior and I wouldn't sing the word reckless whenever we sang that song. And I was like, ha yes, I very much got this figured out. But there's something inside of me that knows that that's true somehow. I, I looked up the dictionary definition of reckless because I'm that guy. And here's, what it, here's the, 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 de- the definition and the synonyms that I came up with. Acting or done with a lack of care or caution, careless or irresponsible, inattentive to duty, careless, neglectful, indifferent, rashly negligent, utterly careless or heedless. Okay, you understand why I had a hard time with this, right? But... But I do think God's love is reckless. And here's why. Because he does just pour it out. He does just put it out there. Jesus said he sends his rain on the good and the bad. He sends his sunshine on the good and the bad, on the just and the unjust. And it's the same with his love. He pours it out on all of us. And we can squander it, we can ignore it, we can act like it's not there, we can even trample it through the mud and commit sacrilege, but he's still pouring it out. And if I, if I trample on it and ignore it completely, he's still pouring it out over me every single time. I mean, the best thing to do is to surrender and to accept it, but he's pouring it out anyway. That sounds awfully reckless to me. God's love is reckless, not because he's irresponsible, but because we are and he pours it out anyway. And he pours it out, not cautiously, not... Well, we'll see if you kind of get your act together first. We'll give you just a little bit of a taste. And then if you kind of get your act together, then we'll give you... No, he pours it out extravagantly. Extravagantly. He pours the whole thing of his love upon us. And it is right there on offer. Do you believe that mostly what God does is love you? That the number one thing he does is love you? I don't know about you. I have a hard time believing it. But that's not because it's not true because my perceptions have been messed up. God loves you. He loves you so dearly. He loves all of us so dearly. And that love is on offer being poured out over us at all moments. We're the ones that look the other way. I just recently read this uh, book. I'm a book nerd uh, called Love First. It's actually by this Church of Christ guy. Uh, Don McLaughlin from the North Atlanta Church of Christ in Atlanta, Georgia. Some of you have probably heard of him. He's been around for a long time. But um, great book. It's kind of his vision for what he wants his church to be. And his vision is we're going to be a church that loves first and foremost. That's the number one thing. We're going to lead with love, land with truth. That's his thing. Lead with love, land with truth. That's, that's going to be who they are and what they're about. And if you know anything about that church, that's totally what they've become. Uh, he tells some really great stories about like bringing in recovering uh, drug addicts and things into the church and how they got the music soundboard stolen one week and, and then the next week it got stolen again before they got it out the box and the third week they just locked it with a chain and said, keep coming, it'll be fine. I mean, I, it's that kind of creativity and ingenuity that I love that they say we're going to love first even when it's costing us a buttload of money. I love that. Uh, another guy stole their church van whenever he went into relapse and started selling drugs out the side of the church van that says North Atlanta Church of Christ. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, I really wanted to see that, actually. Uh, honestly, just a Church of Christ van with that happening. He really works outside the box. And, and that's what I love about it. He says, we have preached the ideal of love. But so often we have lived lives of hate, especially amongst our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And it's not just like pointing fingers at, you know, the other denomination down the street. It's even within the church sometimes. I mean, you've seen this. You know what I'm talking about. We can be some of the most vicious. Jesus called us to love. But you're a heretic. You've got to get out of here. You've seen it. You know what I'm talking about. It happens. It happens in me. And I'm sure it happens in you sometimes too. And sometimes it just doesn't always come out vocally. It's just part of that nature we struggle with. But he says... We must learn to love first and foremost if the gospel will ever reach a hurting and dying and lost world. Because I don't know about you, but um, most of the things I hear as good news proclaimed often sound like bad news to me, the way it's proclaimed. It's like, um, I mean, if you'll pardon my French, it's, they're trying to scare the hell out of people to scare the people out of hell. You know what I'm saying? I just don't see that that sounds like the gospel to me because the gospel is good news and it's very loving news. I know it's a little reckless to just pour out good news and love on the undeserving. I know, I know. But we got a good precedent for it. It's what God does. It's what Christ did. It's what he's still doing. It's pouring his love out on us. That's what I say until that message soaks into the bones of our body into the core of our being we will never love other people because we don't love people by trying to love people harder we love people by accepting the love that god has for us and then it'll just flow right out of us unto everybody else um we don't love by trying to love people harder we love by accepting the love god has on offer for us he always has that love on offer for us you can't get god right if you get love wrong because god is love that's who he is. So I want to invite you for something. A little outside the box. I know I'm known for staying inside the box and coloring in the lines. I know. But I want to invite you for a little something. If you, if you would just close your eyes for a second. Just breathe for a moment. Listen to what God is speaking over you. Don't fight it. Don't argue with it. Try to let this be true because it is God says I love you I love you I love you this is true don't argue with it I love you I love you I love you this this is the number one thing God does right here I love you I love you I love you. May we live and love like that. Amen.